You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. It's Tuesday. That means it's another episode of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I am your host, Adil Royster. And uh, the big ticket item this offseason for the Sixers is one Benjamin David Simmons. He's been very polarizing pretty much all offseason already. And you know what? There are some people that are on one side or the other. Like there's a fence and you're on one side of it. Like there's nobody that's Switzerland right now in terms of like the World War II metaphor. You're either an ally or you're part of the axis of evil. I'm not saying which is which. And I'm not, you know, (laughs) out here comparing anti-Simmons people to Nazis. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying the parallel kind of works. Maybe I could come up with a metaphor that doesn't involve hitler or like you know nazis but that's that's what i got uh steve if i gotta edit that out i will it's fine listen go with it whatever you want to do <laughs> I, I i i'm a bit uncomfortable now that it seems like that's the side i'm uh uh arguing for that's steve Littman. he's the one of the co-hosts of the gastroenteritis blues steve is very much on the trade ben simmons side of this debate I am very much pro keeping Ben Simmons. And uh, yeah, we're just going to do this right now because you know what? It is long overdue. The The Sixers Nation, they they wanted it. They clamored for it. It was in my Menchies and your Menchies on Twitter. I don't know if you noticed. You probably did or did not. Whatever. The uh, the There were Marvel references, and I don't know Marvel movies, so I, I was unable, and I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I was unable to participate in any of the metaphors, but I was enjoying the back and forth. So my entire Captain America, Iron Man, Thanos thing, that was just completely wasted I on you. don't get it. I really wasted Damn on it. you. But Dave Early, Dave Early seems like he got the references and he was picking up what you were putting down. I thought that was genius, but okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll just have to figure yeah. out something. We'll just have to figure out some kind of pop culture phenomenon that you like, that you identify with, and we'll just do that metaphor. I knew enough about the Nazis to get the earlier one. So that one, I'm, I'm so far I'm with you today. Yeah, but you're also you're also <laughs> Jewish. So I can understand how you might True. feel a little bit uncomfortable with that metaphor. That's why I was trying to go. for. <laughs> that's why I was trying to go for the non uh, Hitler referencing uh, Marvel metaphor. But since you're not familiar with it, I guess we got to go with what we got to go with. We're off to a great start. I, I think this is in a great. Aren't we? Already. This is fantastic yeah. already. OK, let's start the great Simmons debate with this and you wrote a piece and we're going to start with the 180 degree shift of two people in particular head coach Doc Rivers first I remember when Doc was hired he was pretty super supportive of Ben Simmons but now after the second round loss to the Atlanta Hawks 
one of his first quotes was, I don't know if he's the point guard on a championship team. I, what the hell happened? Well, Within six months, you just flip like that? You just flip like a politician? Dude, it's so funny because literally all season, Doc would never, ever, ever say that Ben even had a bad game. Like, it was as if Clutch signed Doc to an NDA and, and Doc would just never let himself admit that Simmons didn't play well. You know, <laughs> Simmons scores zero points on one for, or on zero for six shooting. Ben affected the game in so many ways. You know, Ben was excellent tonight. Ben was excellent tonight every single time. They play in the Washington series. Uh, a reporter says, you know, when they start the hack of Ben thing and Washington ends up winning game four, a reporter says to Doc, uh, Doc, did you at all consider taking Ben out of the game at the, uh, when they started hacking? And Doc basically looks down on this person and says, like, you know what, that's why you're a reporter. Like, you know, you go ahead and take Ben Simmons out of the game. We're going to keep playing. Uh, of course, one series later, the free throw thing became such an issue with Ben that Doc went back on his word and took Ben out of the game. I think that what happened was the Atlanta series was enough of a, you know, fire alarm in Doc's mind that – you know, moments after game seven and what happened in game seven and what happened in that series, Doc no longer wanted to keep up what I think, at least to some degree, uh, was an artifice of, of absolutely constant Ben support. And by the way, like I said this during the season, I don't blame Doc for, for doing the only praise Ben thing in the media. Like Brett Brown tried the uh, be tough on him and tell his agent, tell his brother, I won a three-pointer game. Obviously, that, that <laughs> yielded zero results. I don't mind Doc trying that. And then, you know, at the end of the season, Doc, I think, was done with putting up a front, uh, as I think he was for at least uh, some of that talk during the year. Do you think it was more like, okay, this happened, and there's just no way that I can defend this, so now I have to be a flip-flopper? Do you think that might have been some of the rationale for Doc Rivers? Probably. I, first of all, I think that the answer to it the was like it was so blatant anything, that he just couldn't get around it. Yeah, I think the answer to the question is, if anything, I don't know at best. Like, I, personally, I would say no. Like, I certainly don't think he's the point guard on a championship winning team. Um, but, you know, a lot, you know, the uh, NBA personnel and coaches and, and executives lie in the interviews all the time. So why <laughs> didn't Doc just lie there and say, yeah, and then move on with your interview? Um, I don't know. I think that probably Doc was unhappy with losing in the second round as the one seed with the easiest path to the Eastern Conference Finals that they could have, you know, physically chosen. Um, so I think that he was a little bit fed up, probably, with what had just gone on. And uh, I, I think that, you know, in one sentence, there was him venting a little bit. But uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't think we have to assume, but I'm sure that that did not go over well with Simmons at his camp. Then we get to Joel Embiid and his comments after the second round loss to the Atlanta Hawks and talking about the turning point where we passed up a shot and we got one free throw out of it. All right. I, I understand. Frustrating. I, I get it. I totally get it, Joel. And I totally get it, Doc. And it's kind of the like part honesty, part frustration, all raw feelings like right after a debilitating heartbreaking loss i honestly thought it was one of those things where it's just like oh whatever all this will blow over in a week but as it turns out that's not what happened yeah you know uh i i don't think that these quotes 
were like the reason now Ben is getting traded, like in and of themselves. Certainly not. Like, I don't think either guy said, said anything particularly damning. Like uh, Joel's a human being. Like he's going to, if he uses one sentence to vent some frustration after he dragged his torn meniscus around for seven games, trying to vault this team into the Eastern Conference Finals, as his co-star had, I think, uh, what can politely be deemed as a basketball meltdown. Like be, I really be don't nice, blame Steve. him. I, be nice. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that that was any sort of like absolutely groundbreaking comment. I mean, in the same string of media availability right after the game, Ben Simmons is sitting there and they're talking about why does he struggle in the second round? And Ben talks about Trey's shooting line and how many assists he had. Like to me, that's way worse of a comment that after a series like that, if you're still trying to, you know, make yourself look good, I think that it's probably an issue. But I wouldn't, you know, I, I also don't blame him for being imperfect in that moment either. You know, like the media availability after game seven, I don't think uh, is the reason we are where we are. So let me just go back to something you were saying about how Ben kept trying to make himself look good after game seven. Do you think he just has no like self accountability? Mm, well, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I would say, or he could be better at it. We'll put it that way. I would think that Ben literally refusing to shoot so often as he has, uh, looks like not wanting to fail publicly and he's very good at what he's very good at. And so he just decides, I'm just going to do those things. You know, it's like the infamous, the past play, like that is him, uh, wanting to continue to do things that he's good at and not do something he's unsure about, especially at that point. Um, I think that uh, on some level, he has been incubated by his team and what he is good at and being the quote unquote point guard and uh, just hammering away those things and never trying one of the things, one of the areas that he could add to his game or improve. Like uh, I certainly think that it wouldn't be a far leap to say like, boy, he's not really evaluating himself and working on this stuff all the time if we've literally never seen it, you know? Like, I think that that would probably be a fair assessment. In the piece, we got to, or at least you got to, the concept of Ben and Joel on the floor at the same time and how Joel has changed his game. I mean, since Joel came into the league, these were his three point attempts numbers 98 214 263 172 and 154 in that order 37 percent shooting from three last season so i get your point where Embiid has changed his game offensively but last year was also his second highest free throw attempts season so Mm -hmm. i don't so i get what you're saying about Embiid having to change his game a little bit but I don't know if he's changed his overall game fundamentally just because Ben is on the floor and he has to kind of keep the lanes open. Yeah, I think that uh, if you ask Joel uh, in his rookie year or even in his sophomore year, like what are the odds that every single season you're going to shoot 153s or more? He'd probably say pretty low. Uh, but the reason he does is because his, uh, perimeter initiator will shoot zero or maybe three sometimes like uh, Joel's given a lot of interviews where he says like in modern day NBA the spacing has to be such that he is going to step out to three more than he would like to to make room for Ben that's 
I mean, he said that, I think, a, a handful of places, and I think it's, it's obvious. Now, obviously, he's a post-up center. He gets a ton of post touches. He's on the free throw line all the time because of how savvy and, and strong he is down there. It's not that I'm saying that Joel has made himself into Kristaps Porzingis. Right. I'm saying that Joel has certainly bent his game somewhat to, to account for Ben in a way that I don't think Ben offensively ever has. Yeah, Joel hasn't devolved into Kristaps Porzingis just yet because, you know, Embiid still plays defense, unlike one Kristaps Porzingis. That's but that's beside the point. Um, now, I did take some, some umbrage in the point you made about Simmons making zero adjustments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Offensively, no, mm-hmm. I can't disagree with you that he's made no offensive adjustments but i feel like that's all i'm talking about okay i was just gonna say because defensively he's made a ton of adjustments oh incredible incredible i mean ben is like the reason the 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 reason that we're in a damian lillard conversation or we're in a bradley beal conversation it's because he's an unbelievable defender i would have had him for defensive player of the year i have nothing to negative to say at all about ben on that end my my issue with ben is that he's an initiator on offense who in my mind, and and I think when you watch him, has made no adjustments or improvements to his offensive game whatsoever. Side note, who do we call to get Liberty Ballers an official NBA uh, awards ballot? Just just out of nowhere. Great question. We got to ask Paul, I think. Paul, Paul, uh, somebody get Adam Silver on the phone. Like, this is something that needs to happen. Because there there were some awards that just, there were some votes that just didn't make sense. But I'm getting off track. Uh, like you you were saying, I would argue his defensive win shares, uh, 3.1, 3.3 the last two years, mm-hmm. definitely won more games than his offense lost games, I would say. Oh, yeah, regular season, without a doubt. I totally agree. I will say this, and here's where I can't defend Ben at all. Four years into this thing, he's not a great screener. He's He's okay just because of his size and, you know, just being able to be kind of a big person on the court setting screens for little people that kind of makes him good. And the, the free throw shooting is not, it's not good. I don't know if I necessarily want him to be this like all world perimeter scorer. If his free throws, for example, if they go up to like the 70 mid seventies range, I would be happy with that. Would you agree? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the thing for Ben, I think for a few years now, since we've just seen that it's just not going to happen with the three unless we actually see it, because he will have one or two week spans where he goes to the rim a ton and he gets fouled a lot and he shoots him, he makes him at the rate that he normally does in the season, which is like 60% or so. Right. Uh, 55 to 60%. Um, it's really like he's never actually weaponized that size and speed and ability in the half court at all for any longer stretch of time to really make a decision to go to the rim all the time. Uh, Part of that is that he doesn't have moves around the rim and that he doesn't have particularly good touch around the rim. But this, that to me, it's like the more tangible improvement that we could have seen him make in recent years would be one of those, you know, like him becoming a, a like, you know, whatever, 35% three-point shooter is fantasy land, you know, but him doing some of the things that we have seen flashes of, and, and, you know, if you're a team that's trading for Ben, this is what you're convincing yourself, you know, that he can do this on a more regular basis with 
more skill and more commitment to doing those things. I think you're totally right. That's what I had been wanting him to do for years now. I love when you lead me in perfectly to the next point that I want to make. Uh, do you remember 2011? It was right after the lockout. Uh, LeBron James got into the gym and was working with Hakeem Olajuwon for that entire mm -hmm. stretch where there was no basketball. His post game changed dramatically. Right. So I feel like, like you said, 35% shooting from three. I feel like that's fantasy land, but let's see if we can get Ben in the gym with like hell Joel or any number of post guys, you know, David Robinson, Stoudemire, Amar Stoudemire, like whatever, whoever yeah. you want. And let's do that. Let's concentrate on making him like an elite post threat and then have, Seth Curry and Thibel and Tobias be like the perimeter guys. Sure, it's more, it's a little bit more traditional because you basically have two big men down low and then the three perimeter guys. But right. I, I feel that I feel that's definitely something different as opposed to you know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned a lot of people talk about Ben at the Ford. It's like okay, well every power forward in the NBA shoots three, like basically every single one. So that would be, I think, a, an issue when you look at playing Ben at the four. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, that would be great, but it also would have been great if he had done this any year before this year. Yeah. Because it's been an issue every time he's been in the playoffs in the second round. Like he has run into this exact issue that teams know exactly how to guard him when you play a real playoff team. Uh, and this is what we've run into. Like, I, you know, I don't think any of this is new. And I think it just became much more pronounced and more polarizing, especially since he wasn't on the team or he was uh, hurt last year, the year prior against the Celtics. Um, and I think it all came to a head. I mean, because look around the team that Ben was starting with, everybody was a 38% or better three-point shooter. Like it could not have been set up easier for him to do his thing and to uh, capitalize, but it's like, why would we expect it to happen against a better team in the playoffs if it just had never happened before? And if he had added absolutely nothing to his game, it's like, you know, that's the sort of definition of insanity thing that you're talking about. I will say, you know, how many times over the last four years have you tweeted or seen me tweet something along the lines of, Hey, Ben, the guy guarding you is six inches and like 30 pounds you have six inches and like 30 pounds on the dude guarding you get on yeah. the block and go to work. Or, or then they're guarding you with Danilo Gallinari who cannot stay on the floor defensively against almost every team has like, rocks for has boulders for feet. Correct. And like Ben is so much faster and more athletic than him, but he doesn't have moves. So it's hard for him to get around him or punish him in any way. It's like, you know, this is, this is what we ran into. And this is, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but uh, this is, you know, and that's the reason that Gallinari can stay on the floor and do what he's good at on offense because he's not getting killed on defense because nobody's exploiting. All right. I feel like we need a little bit of a breather before we go into the next set of subjects, which includes the uh, potential what ifs and where do we go from here kind of, subjects so let, let's take a little breather real quick we'll come right back and then we'll continue with this t subject
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so now the Ben Simmons trade winds are blowing very, very much. And Daryl Morey, of course, is going to be at the heart of this thing because he's the president of basketball operations. That's just his job. Um, now, so far... I can't really find any definitive words on, you know, Daryl Morey's opinion of does he want to keep Ben Simmons? Does he definitely want to trade him? Like he's very cryptic. Is that kind of good or bad right now? Well, Daryl's never going to say it to the media. You know, Daryl is never going to do an interview while Ben's on the team and say, boy, we'd love to trade Ben. I would just, I can't take it anymore. We got to trade him. Like, What's going to happen, which is what we've seen happen, is all of these reports that come out from reputable reporters. You know, like, uh, you know, Shams had a while ago that the Sixers had opened up trade talks for Ben. And then on draft day, Woj tweeted that, you know, discussions on Ben Simmons' future with uh, the Sixers are happening and that the Sixers are canvassing the league for Ben Simmons' trades and that, you know, Rich Paul and Ben are in step with a move elsewhere. You know, this is really how it, seems to go in the NBA, which is that when a player's on the block, you see a million of these reports swirling. And curiously, you've seen no statement from the Sixers that says this is untrue. Ben is here. Ben is a part of our future. Sometimes we've seen uh, as a leverage play uh, at the sort of end of one of these reports, you know, Philadelphia will keep him into the season if they have to and yeah. uh, keep it, you know, which I think is just very uh, uh, obviously lying. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is, uh, this is what we're dealing with. And I think that it's very clear at this point that, uh, the Sixers are at a very minimum willing to trade Simmons. And I think given all the reporting we're seeing very actively looking to consummate a trade that puts Ben on another team. One thing that I always understand about you or anybody else that's very much trade pro Ben Simmons I get everybody's frustration in why this thing hasn't been solved yet. Honestly, though, brutal honesty. Are you okay with the patience being used here in this situation? Which means, like, how do you mean? Uh, what kind of patience? The, the patience in finding the right deal and not just trading Ben Simmons just to trade him and get him out of here. I Yes. Uh, I just would argue that... Uh, there is not a reality where Ben plays another game for the Sixers uh, in real life. I think that like this thing is done. I, I really don't think, you know, we can talk about the reports that are now coming out as of last week about Ben no longer wanting to be a Sixer. And, we'll get to know, that. Clearly the Sixers, right. Clearly the Sixers don't want him to be on the team. Like 
I, you know, people talk about trading him for scraps and I just don't think that that's going to be the reality. Like, I don't think Daryl would do that, but I also don't think Daryl will have to do that. Um, it might not be a Dame Lillard trade. Like Dame Lillard might not ask out, which would be, I think, a tough pill to swallow, but certainly a possibility. Um, but in that case, I think probably the pivot is going to be trade Simmons to the highest bidder and keep your powder dry in terms of making another trade when the next star comes available. I think that there is just no reality where he's on the Sixers again and plays another game. Can I just say something real quick about uh, the yeah. Dame Lillard trade? Let, let's say that Dame wants out. Uh, memo to the Portland Trailblazers general manager and Knicks fans. Uh, Dame Lillard is not getting traded to the Knicks, okay? It's not going to happen. There is not one single package the Knicks could offer that is better than Ben Simmons et al. There's nothing the Knicks I agree. could offer. There's nothing. So everybody out there in Knicks land with your uh, buying custom Lillard Knicks jerseys, stop it. Just be happy you got Kemba Walker and just stop it right there. I agree. And Derek Bodner had, a, had an article a couple of days ago about how the Knicks have also made it harder on themselves by re-signing a bunch of their guys and also signing Evan Fournier uh, and now Kemba, where they don't have the cap space anymore to just take him into their space. So they would right. have to move contracts. And now these new contracts they signed are unmovable for a period of time. Um, I don't, and, and there's also just no package. What's the package? Like you're not going to trade Randall for him because then it's just Dame and nobody else. And there's nobody over there that frankly comes close to Maxi, in my opinion. Is Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett really moving the needle if you're Portland? The only way that I think, Dame could possibly go there is if Dame says, I will go to New York and nowhere else. In which case, the Sixers might look in the mirror and sort of say, boy, do we want to trade for this guy and have him unhappy here? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that the Knicks, based on reporting, will be on his list, but I think there will be other teams. And from what it seems like we can tell, the Sixers will be among them. Trading. The trade for Ben Simmons. And let me know if you agree with this. My whole position is this is the way Daryl Morey needs to think. Does trading for does trading Ben for player X put this team in the NBA finals? If the answer is no, I don't want to hear this that I don't want to hear player X's name. Well, that's an interesting way to think about it because I think that, let's be real, yeah. that's where we are. If you're trading Ben Simmons, then you the return has to put you in the NBA finals. Period. That's it. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, after uh, in Daryl's end of the year uh, press conference, he said, you know, he was talking about game seven and, and a number of things that could have gone the Sixers way that didn't. And, uh, and then he sort of had a very sober thought, which he said when he said, you know, if you're squeaking past the second round, you're probably not good enough to win a title. Right. So that honestly, for me, is like the Sixers with Simmons currently constructed are not a contender, are not like going to win the title with this team. So it's not, for me, it's like, I don't think they're trading some giant championship window away because I don't think the window's open with Simmons as the primary initiator. And I wrote in the piece that like, part of this is a shame because all of the uh, revolving door of Sixers executives over the last five years have pissed away their assets. Very oh my God. So that the only move to make is a Simmons move. Like Harris isn't getting you anything that you really care about. 
Uh, the move is really Simmons, because Simmons is a guy who, even after that series, has very positive value around the league. Uh, in terms of what they could trade him on, I, I just think that the calculus is a little bit more difficult because I think that if the guy isn't available, if, if the, you know, basically Dame or Beal is not available, then I still think you have to trade Ben. Like, I don't think that there's a way that Ben is going to recoup value by playing for the Sixers again, because I don't think that clutch and, and he will have him play for the Sixers again. I think that that ship has sailed. So okay. in my opinion, what you do after that point is trade him to the highest bidder. Get, get the however many first-round picks as you can and prime yourself ready for whenever Dame asks out or whoever the next guy is. Now, that's not a great answer. Like, I, that stinks. Like, I wish that that wasn't the answer. I wish that, there, that I saw a more realistic scenario where you right. just hold him until the value is commensurate with, with what you think he should be. But I don't think that would be the reality. Um, I think that it's really pretty much over with at this point in terms of him and Philly. You flirted with the idea and much of our, many of our colleagues did as well with Zach Levine. I listen, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that Zach Levine on this team makes us a, puts us in the NBA finals. And I don't know if it, that trade happens anyway, because of the Levine, uh, because of, the Bulls seemingly trying to win yeah. now with him on the roster, and yeah. Beal. Who knows with him? Like, I, it sounds like the Wizards are content with just being, you know, an eight seed or a play-in team for the foreseeable future. Right. So I, I don't know what the next move is. Like Dame, it's a great question. Dame, right. who the hell knows? Uh, CJ McCollum. Like, does he put us in the NBA Finals? No, I don't, I don't think the, you know, apart from not thinking CJ's the second best player in a finals team, which I don't, but I do think he's very good. Um, I don't think the Sixers are in a rush to give Dame a new co-star for him to stick around longer. You know, like uh, I think, yeah, I think the Beal thing is done. I think that he, for some reason, has been placated by the Spencer Dinwiddie move and, and it feels fine. You know, he might just like being in Washington and, and God bless uh Levine we haven't seen anything about him wanting out this summer so uh, I think that he's he's there until you know if that thing blows up with their new pieces um and James is just he's there he's there until Lonzo Ball starts averaging like six turnovers a game and DeMar DeRozan has missed like two and a half months yeah you know and and with (laughs) Dame there's been a lot of smoke about Dame wanting out and Dame has said literally to the media uh, we're not a good enough roster to compete for a title. We need to make moves to be a better roster and compete for a title because he's trying to win now. Uh, the Blazers have done nothing in this offseason to, in my mind, assuage that concern. Like they uh, overpaid Norm Powell to keep him there. And then they signed Cody Zeller, Ben McElmore, Tony Snell all around the minimum. Like that's not going to get it done. So uh, I really don't think that Dame wanted to be asking for a trade in the middle of pursuing a gold medal. Um, I don't think he wanted to turn that into a sort of circus. So <laughs> I think now he's getting back to Portland and now we're going to really see, like to me, I think that Daryl Morey wouldn't accept any Simmons trade until he knows exactly what's up with, uh, with Dame. And in my mind, the fact that Simmons hasn't been traded means that Daryl thinks that Lillard is at least still considering the, the trade demand, but that's, that's really a guess at this point. I think we'll have clarity on that very soon. One team that should not be considered at all is the Sacramento Kings. And those, they've come calling again, which makes no sense to me because, I, first of all, 
if you're the Kings and you trade for Ben Simmons, Darren Fox has to go elsewhere because Fox and mm-hmm. Simmons cannot be on the floor together. <clears throat> but if you're the Sixers, uh, Darren Fox really isn't doing it for me. Uh, Buddy Heald as the center of the trade isn't doing it. It would have to be no. I, me personally. I would say, okay, uh, three play, three team deal. Fox has to go elsewhere. And then we want at least Buddy and Tyrese Halliburton back. Like that's it. Outside of that, <laughs> hang up the phone. Yeah, I don't. I just don't really see the the fit there. With like, I don't know if you're them. Why would you trade Fox for Simmons? Like, what's the upside? Like, I, I would Fox is like 24. Also, like I would just keep Fox, and and he he seems like a guy who improves. And I would just I would just stick it out with him. And the Sixers aren't aren't entertaining any conversation that doesn't have Fox from Sacramento. Where Sacramento could come in handy is as a third team. Uh, if let's say Portland just wants to bottom out, you know, in other words, take the young guys and picks package with led by Maxi and, and whoever else, then to make the money work, then go someplace else, like a team like Sacramento, who would also trade stuff that the Sixers would reroute to Portland. So I think that the only reason that, that Sacramento or that Minnesota is enticing in any way is that it avails the Sixers with more options in terms of where they can put them. And sometimes I'll see it creep up in my timeline where uh, Jamal Murray, uh, maybe I, I, I could talk myself into it, but I'm just, eh, I'm, I'm kind of eh, a little lukewarm on that. Like he's hurt now, you know, I think he tore his ACL or, or something. Yeah. With me, so he, he's off the table at the moment anyway. Uh, I don't, I, I would doubt, you know, Denver didn't even get to go on a run last year with that nucleus intact. So uh, I would be surprised. Uh, if they made a move like that as well. How have you felt about the reports of the ridiculously high asking prices, like even before the draft? I kind of enjoyed it because I said (laughs) it on Twitter. Daryl is basically doing the pawn shop thing where he goes in and he's like, okay, this is my highest offer. And then we can negotiate in between. I don't know why he was getting, I don't know why he was getting hell for that. Like, that's what you do. You start at you start at the high point and work your way down and kind of meet in the middle. Like that's how it works, fellas. I totally agree with you. I think that uh, the you know the sticker shock of the Sixers asking for the Harden package. I get the comedy in that because yes, they're not they're not getting a Harden package for Ben. But this is how negotiating works. You're going to start by asking for more than you're willing to accept. So that you know if you start only asking for what you'll accept, then the only way you go is down. So I, I understand Daryl, you know, or whoever is putting out in the media uh, that the Sixers have an incredibly high asking price for him. I just think this will probably look a lot different at the end of the month when you have to get a little bit more serious about, you know, him being on the team. I will say the one most frustrating thing about this whole saga is the communication blackout story that just won't go away. Okay. Yeah. Do you know why Ben hasn't really returned any of the Sixers calls? Do you know definitively why? I don't. I mean, I can use some context clues, but that's about it. And I don't know definitively why either. That being the case, who cares? Unless I have something definitive as to this is why Ben is not communicating with the team I don't care if he's not communicating with the team. You want to know why, how I feel that? Because maybe, just maybe, I don't know, the kid just had 
one of the worst experiences of his professional career. And he's like, you know what? F it. I just need to take a break and just get away from it all. Maybe the kid just needed a break. And he was just like, you know what? I need to go. I need to be by myself. And I need to work on the things that I need to work on. This is just me being like uber positive about the whole situation. So <laughs> forgive me. Uh, maybe he just needs that time to himself to just like work on everything without the distractions, without the nonsense, without the TV, without everybody all up in his ear and in his kitchen and in his grill. Like, that's how I feel about the whole communication blackout saga. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, well, I would say that more people get up in his grill when he ignores the team and his teammates than if he just has a normal relationship with them. Uh, I would say if it's true, it's certainly not a good sign that not a good sign sure, but... is not interacting with anyone in the organization uh i i think that the more uh uh the more weighted thing for me than the than the communication stuff is all the reports that are now coming out that he no longer wants to be on the team um that to me carries more weight than whatever communication they've had but you know they they sort of go hand in hand you know like him him not being happy on the Sixers, wanting to be off the Sixers, certainly is a reasonable line to draw uh, to him not communicating with the Sixers or the players or anybody else. So let's play what if real quick and just finish it off here. Uh, just to reiterate, you personally believe that Ben Simmons won't play another minute in a Sixers jersey. He's yes. not going to be. He's not going to be on the roster opening night. I am more sure that he won't play another game because I think that they'll hold him out. You know, there's a chance really? that he can be on the roster. Oh, yeah. I, I think that there's a chance that he doesn't show up to training camp. I don't think this will drag out that long. Um, but I do think that he, that he won't put on a jersey and play against the Sixers. Yeah. Okay. So, devil's advocate. Uh, again, me being, you know, part of the, uh, part of the allies here. Um Let's just say everything smooths over. Everything's fine. Uh, they have like a Daryl, Joel and Ben. They have like a beer summit or something or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, Shirley Temple summit, whatever. And mm -hmm. everything's cool. And Ben comes in. Maybe he's not shooting like 40 percent from three, but maybe he's shooting like 25. He's at least like more willing to shoot. And his post game looks a little bit better. Like a deal. <laughs> ben shooting 20 Ben Ben shooting 25% from three is like me saying I'm gonna go outside and pick up a Toyota Camry it won't wow. happen it's not going to happen it's why are you what why are Toyota Camrys out here catching strays from you Jesus I'm, I'm just saying this is exactly how he has taught us to expect you know what I mean like this is what he's taught us to expect what you know that would be a gargantuan increase uh in in his game and in his willingness to do anything outside the paint you know it would be it would be a shock is it possible that i just i i'm holding on way too much hope now at this point like i'm four years in and i'm just like i really want this to, i really need this to happen i should say oh my god dude i i was the same exact <laughs> way last year and and every year before this like i i i think this sucks like i really was way in on ben i wanted ben and joel to win a title like i was very into this obviously the hardened thing made us all think a little bit more seriously about trading him. And then just another year of, of him looking the exact same and running into the same exact problems in the playoffs and being undone by a team like the Hawks who like, Oh my God, uh -huh. with a one seed, you know, it's like, it, it, it has broken me in terms of any, any optimism for Ben in Philadelphia at all. And, and, and I also, 
truly believe in in this sort of sentiment that uh, every single sign and every single party seems to want Ben on another team. I, I will say that the end of your piece was quite fascinating, where it was just like everything that has happened. If one of these things happened yeah. in one offseason, it would probably be fixable. But the fact that all five of these things happen in the same offseason within the span of like two months, not great. Yeah, to, to me, like there's no sign pointing the other way at all. You know what I mean? Like there's no, we have heard no report that Ben loves the Sixers and wants to stay in Philly. We've heard no report that the Sixers have shut down trade offers like, like they uh, have stopped canvassing the league for him. Like all of it has been ramping in one direction. Um, and, and to me, it's like the, the, the holdup more than anything. I, I do think that Daryl hasn't gotten an offer that he would accept yet, but I also think that he wants clarity on the big fish of the offseason, which could be Dame Lillard. So uh, to me, that's what's holding this up. And I think that everybody involved just wants to move on. And I, and I have a hard time blaming Ben or anybody else. All right. Well, I'll, I'm still going to be out here fighting the good fight and, you know, being Jon Snow on the hill with my sword out, just just being ready for everybody that comes at me. So if, Listen, if that just if God that just speed. happens to be you, then that's fine. We're just we're just going to have to get we're just going to have to get down like that. Uh, Steve Littman, one of the co-hosts of the Gastroenteritis Blues, prime contributor on Liberty Ballers. Uh, Steve, this was a fun debate. It was something that needed to happen between us. Like, you know, I, I felt like fun. this needed to happen. Always fun to talk to you, buddy. Uh, it, it, it was uh, it was good. And hopefully, hopefully soon all these debates will be over. Hopefully one of these days I'll have a better metaphor to kind of, you know, bring all yeah. this home. Like one that doesn't involve uh, Nazis and <laughs> one, third that, yeah. one that doesn't involve the Third Reich and another yeah. one that like you understand from a pop culture standpoint. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. it. I'll work on that. That's right. Talk to you soon, Steve. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, uh, feel good about the summer league. One game in, love you know, the summer league. The, the young kids are looking good. So let's see what happens there. Big time. Love seeing the guys today. All right, thank you, buddy. Good to talk, talk to you. Talk to you soon, Steve. Hey.